Welcome to another episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, the Boots on the Ground podcast for replanters by replanters with your host, Bob Bickford and Jimbo Stewart. Here in the trenches with you doing the gritty and glorious work of replanting dying churches. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital, the church website and branding partner you need to help move your church forward. All right, here we are back at the boot camp, back in a hotel edition. Jimbo and Bob on the road. The Replant Bootcamp Roadshow, traveling across the country, now in Dallas, Texas. This is the Korean version. This is. And so we got to try some Korean food last night. We were in line, and, and you said, Jimbo, do you like Korean food? And I said, I'll tell you in a few minutes. I don't know. <laughs> well, I, we didn't know really what we were eating at all. No, and I have still have no idea what a lot of that stuff was. But I say that not in a disparaging way. No, it, it was very tasty. It was good. I I enjoyed the beef and the glass noodles. Yep, and the kimchi. Cool. And you particularly enjoyed what? The squid. Yes, the squid was really good. It was like pickled with these vegetables and a spicy red sauce. And yeah. So for the Applebee listeners among us, <laughs> this was not fried calamari. No, there was no marinara. There was no ranch. It was not fried, so it was like yeah strips of squid. No, like it, and it looked like squid. Yeah, it did. Yeah, I mean, it's not like you would be like, oh, I didn't realize I was eating squid. <laughs> yeah, and you looked at it, you knew you were eating squid. Now, at first, I thought, oh, this is kind of like fettuccine noodles that were kind of just diced up in this special sauce. But when the guy told us they were squid, I was like, okay, there we go. Yeah, right. I mean, mine had like the suction cups and the. <laughs> oh, I didn't see that. No, yeah, I had like a full squid tentacle. Man, I got gypped. Yeah, it was good. Well, and we also use chopsticks. I'm I'm used to using chopsticks. I thought you handled this quite well. Yeah, I'm not. I don't. I I don't use chopsticks a lot. I prefer modern innovation of forks. But I did the chopstick and I handled myself well. The rice was just sticky enough that I could yeah. get. I think my problem with chopsticks, like at hibachi, yeah, is I I can't do the rice. Yeah, it's just like I can get the meat and get the shrimp, the vegetables. I just, I don't know how to get hibachi rice on a chopstick. I can't help you there. I'm no good at it either. <laughs> so, but yeah, shout out to our Dr. James Kong and the Korean Council of Baptist Churches. Yeah. Uh, the headquarters is here in Texas, and we're meeting with about 40 Korean pastors, leaders, yeah. wives. And uh, man, they are a fun bunch. They yeah. Are, they're encouraging and friendly. And you spoke with a translator today, and I did today as well, and that yeah. was a lot of fun. Yeah. We met some 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 fun people. Some guys asked us about the boot camp, said they're going to be yes. checking us out, listening. So uh, I hope that they do. Yeah. So we'll have our first Korean Baptist listeners that I know of. Anyway. Yeah. And, as far uh, as I know. I'm excited about it. So one thing that we thought we'd talk about today is something that I talked about earlier today with churches, uh, mm-hmm. the pastors there, was how do you analyze the condition of your church? How do you see where it's at? Because that's one of the mo- the biggest questions that a replanter has when they go in is, okay, where is this church? Yeah. And and how do I get my mind around it? How do I work with it? And so we talked about that today. I loved your introduction of how you said we have in our culture, the common phrase of how are you doing? Yep. I'm fine. And, you know, you could have just like gotten in a massive fight with your wife and punched <laughs> one of your kids and yes. <laughs> Changed a flat tire and ran through a red light and cussed about it. And, and, you, and yeah. the pastor goes, well, how are you doing? You go, I'm fine. That's right. That's because that's what you say. And sometimes pastors, we say that too. It's like, how's your church doing? Right. And we feel the pressure to say, my church is fine. When we might say something like, my key leader is leaving because he got a job promotion. 
I'm working my third year without any kind of salary increase and inflation is killing me. My wife said she doesn't want to attend church and my kids are just done with children's church, right? Yeah. And so we understand that a lot of replanters out there are dealing with difficulty and it's frankly, it's hard to talk about. Yeah. Specifically with people that you know, right? But there are also some things where you you don't know how your church is until you get into it and roll your sleeves up. You don't know that the, the deacons don't understand what it means to serve as deacons, right? Yeah. They don't have a biblical foundation and and people don't understand tithing. Like they're going to give to the church when they're happy with the direction that mm-hmm. it's going or they're going to withhold their tithe yeah. or your worship guy who's a volunteer struggles to understand worship. So there's all kinds of things that will present themselves in the church. But I think we, what I tried to do is talk about four broad categories and really got these from our friend Keelan Cook. Yep. You know, Keelan did a presentation at the AMS lab. He used his graphics. Keelan, I stole your graphics. So I know you're listening and Meredith is probably listening. So I'm sorry (laughs) about that. But I stole them and did not give you credit to 40 Korean bastards. So for the for the few of them that listen, they can spread word. (laughs) Those were not your graphics. Those those were Keelan's. I need. I'm going to put a picture of Keelan by those (laughs) graphics next time. Say source by Keelan. (laughs) But Keelan talked about four categories that we normally look at for church health. The the first one is spiritual. Mm-hmm. How's the church doing spiritually? So prayer, Bible study, spiritual disciplines, discipleship, all those sorts of things. Another one is financial. Is the church financially healthy? Are, do you have streams of income in order to pay not only your bills, but pay for your pastors who lead and then also fund ministry? Missional health. Keelan is great talking about that. That's engaging lost people with the gospel through uh, means of one-on-one conversations, as a church collectively, through mercy ministries, all those sorts of things. And then relational health. Is there unity in the body? Do people care for and love one another? Do they practice the one another's of scripture? So you look at those categories and churches are going to be strong in some and weak in others, right? So you need to have a framework to understand, is the church healthy? Is it not healthy? I noticed one of the questions you didn't ask there is the one that I hate. How many are you running? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I didn't ask it because, Jimbo, numbers are something, but they're not everything. Yeah. Right? And uh, I think I mentioned this a long time ago. One of the the first pastor I ever served with told me that. He said, numbers are something, but they're not everything. And my first youth ministry position was really a replant. Mm. The, The student ministry, before I got there, really charismatic leader, he moved like five miles down the road and took all, almost all the youth group mm. with him. And the kids that stayed there were the kids whose parents attended the church and said, we're staying. Right? Yeah. So I had 25 angry and frustrated kids who wanted me to do a lock-in every single weekend because the previous youth pastor was single. But that, the big thing was, you know, how many are you running? Like, how many kids are you taking to camp? All yeah. this, same thing. Let's just roll that up to to worship, right? But numbers indicate something, but they don't indicate everything. And in fact, the stats that we've looked at for our area in St. Louis have shown us that the majority of churches during the last three years, 19, 20, and 21, have not grown, Mm. right? Less really than 5% have grown during that time. The majority are in decline. Only 3% of those churches in in the, you know, close to 100 churches in our area have even stayed steady at Plateau. The rest, Jimbo, have declined. So Mm -hmm. what I said to the Korean pastors and we say to our boot campers, if you're experiencing decline, welcome to the club. Yeah. Every single church has experienced decline. So the, the challenge for us is when we think about where our church is at, you really have to think about where the church is at spiritually 
Where's that in following Jesus? Because from spiritual growth, really all the all the markers of health and numeric growth really flow. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's so important to make sure that we're not defining health off of numbers. And we talk about that a lot here on the podcast, but it just doesn't tell you enough of the story. Mm-hmm. And it may not even tell you the right story. Because if you just gained, like we experienced at one point in our replant, where we gained over 100 people within 60 days, mm-hmm. but they were all from a church split mm-hmm. that, and, the, and the other community. And while a lot of those people ended up being a big blessing and sticking around, as you could probably predict the story, most of them did not stick around. And I don't know that I would say that all of them were a blessing. Uh, <laughs> And so, uh, you know, but if you just looked at the numbers, if you if you if you looked at what was the giving, what was the attendance when I arrived versus what was the giving and the attendance at our at their highest points when I was leading, what you would have actually pinpointed was the most unhealthy season in our church's history. And normally you would have received like the replanter of the year award. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, if you just would have looked at attendance and giving, mm-hmm. you would have thought this church has gotten to its healthiest place. What an amazing job this Jimbo kid has done. He's so awesome. But if you'd have just asked a couple of questions about the spiritual health and yep. unity of the church at that moment, you'd have realized we were we were in great turmoil. It was a hard season. That is. And man, I just I want to reiterate, as you've, you've laid it out really well, Numbers are something, but they're not everything. And unhealthy things can grow large. And we've seen we've seen the 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 consequences of something that grew really fast and had no foundation, or had a deficient discipleship core. And when something changes course, or something doesn't go the way the the group who left one church uh, to come to your church, when when they don't get their way, man, they're probably going to leave, or you're going to experience mm-hmm. conflict, and you're going to leave. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, man, just be careful of numbers. But numbers do indicate something. And and I think that the key for us to understand and in, in analyzing our church is where's our church at in terms of first its spiritual health. And so I shared a passage from uh, Revelation chapter two with the Korean uh, pastors and leaders. And and this is just the, the words to the church in Ephesus. And and it just emphasizes the fact that Jesus knows the works of the church. He knows the labor of the church. He knows that they don't put up with false teaching, that they don't put up with evildoers, that they uh, have persevered under persecution and they have endured. But he says, even after you've done all of those things, I have something against you. So he gives Mm. the commendation. I'm going to commend you for these. And then he gives the condemnation. And the condemnation is, but I have this against you that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Right? So... There was a there was a bit it was a busy church. It was a doctrinally pure church. It had good preaching. It had good church discipline. Like they're getting rid of people who are like doing evil in the church, right? Yeah. And they're they're probably giving them their resources, etc. Every single one of us would go, I'll go to that church, right? But it was a church that didn't that didn't love Christ like they did at first. So what you see is there this is a word to a church that has some history. Yeah. Right? They started as a probably a smaller church. They loved Jesus. They grew, all of the spiritual activity came, but something happened in the busyness and in the season of their ministry where their hearts grew cold and they just abandoned their first love. And so I, I think most churches that are experiencing decline where the majority of people left were the remnant of folks who started the church and were there in its heyday, something like this might be said of them. Right? Mm-hmm. 
Now, I want to be careful in saying that because the people who have stuck around with a, a dying and declining church are faithful yeah. people. Some of those people, and I think only a small percentage of them, are power brokers or gatekeepers, mm-hmm. right? They now have seen, okay, this church is in such a state that I can now ascend into power. I can kind of control things. I can work my game and get into the right committees and, and kind of hold this church hosti- hostage, and I can kind of be a bully, right, yeah. or, or a, an influencer. But I think, Jimbo, honestly, in my experience, there are only a few of those, right, because bullies don't let other bullies on the block, right? They're yeah. going to have it out. Some are going to stay, some are going to leave. But the majority of folks, I think, that are left are good, faithful people who are just waiting for a good shepherd and a leader to come in and love them and, and take them to, to the future. Why do you think it seems to be so common that legacy churches, churches that have existed long enough, have that kind of mission drift where they're faithful in so many small things, like that passage in Revelation. I mean, so we're not talking like they started preaching out of the Book of Mormon, or, <laughs> no. or they have. You know, we're not we're not saying that they've gone completely off the rails and they don't love the Lord at all, and they don't, you know, love the Bible. But there, but something something has slowly, slowly shifted off track. How does that happen? Man, I, I think that over time our relationship with the Lord becomes familiar mm. and it's not fresh. Yeah. Right. So if you think about the relationship that we have with our spouse, right. When we were first dating them, man, it was like, we went to bed thinking about them. We woke up thinking about them. We wrote notes. We did saw, we did scavenger hunts. We did all these crazy things. We, we find special dates. We had little nicknames for one another. Then we got married and we had some of that maybe in the first several years of marriage, but then life happened. Right. Mm-hmm. And we had kids and then jobs and, and conflict. And then you realize that, that, you know, you're not the spouse you want to be and they're not the spouse you want them to be. And so you have all these sorts of things. And I think it diminishes the joy and intensity of that first season of ministry. I, I would say Jesus doesn't change. He is perfect. But, you know, what? as imperfect followers of Jesus, we we let things get in the way and yeah. it diminishes our first love. So it's easier to love my program, my schedule, this ministry, my position at the church. Mm-hmm than it is to love Jesus who constantly calls me to die to myself and follow him, right? So in a declining church, when our love is transferred to things and ministries and programs and styles and all those sorts of things, it's easy. And when it changes, we when we love those things more than we love Jesus, then that creates issues for us. So I think all of us have to, to realize we've got to work at our relationship with Jesus. It's not something we can take for granted. So if that's true for me and you, and it's true for every Christian, collectively then, if we are serving a church where we're not paying attention to that through discipleship and worship and all those things, then we're probably going to find ourselves in a position where maybe what's said to the church in Ephesus could be said now. Yeah. My wife has a great analogy of how she describes this, where she says, church planting is like uh, a newly engaged couple, Mm right? Right. You're making save the date cards and you're sending them out and you're doing a gift registry and people are giving you stuff. But don't get matching shirts. I hate that, Jimbo. <laughs> and if you get a matching shirt, I'm going to ridicule you and punch you in the face. All right, uh, I'm, not, I'm not getting engaged anytime soon. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so the, with the engaged couples, there's so many things like a church plant, right? Yeah. Every, everybody's pouring into you. Mm-hmm. Everybody's celebrating you. You set a date, a launch date, and you send out save the dates, and you send out the promo pictures, 
and you invite people and you have this huge celebration and you almost have like a gift registry and yeah. people are giving you it's it's very similar to getting ready for like a wedding and everybody's very excited and you're you're excited about the future and what it holds and and all these sorts of things whereas a healthy legacy church is like a really great marriage that's lasted 50 years, 60 years, yeah. 70 years. And and you, they still love each other and they're still cute and they still flirt and mess with each other. And and, it, and it's awesome. A revitalization is a, a hurting marriage and uh, a dying church, church splits happen and we have divorces. And a replant is the, the divorces happen. There's a custody battle. Gosh. <laughs> We're fighting over who gets each piece of the pie and who gets that couch and who gets the cat and <laughs> and, and all those sorts. And, and really, I mean, that's kind of fairly accurate the way those relationships often work. And so there's some sort of reconciliation needed back to the, the love that leads to obedience. Yeah. And not just obedience in preaching the word on Sunday morning, having Sunday school, inviting your neighbor, but like beyond that, of yeah. really living out in a affection-driven, obedience way, what God has called us to. Absolutely, and man, what a what a great point to segue to the, there's the commendation, the commendation, here's what you're doing well, there's the condemnation, here's what you're not doing well, and then there's the, the recommendation, here's what you must do, right? And so it says in verse five, remember therefore from where you have fallen, Repent and do the works that you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. So mm. it's three things. Remember, right? Remember what it was like when you first started following me. Remember what it was like when you were first transformed by Christ. Remember the joy. Remember the passion. Remember the, the intensity of that relationship. So oftentimes we neglect to nurture that in our marriages, our friendships, et cetera. So the same thing's true about our spiritual walk, right? So remember, like remember the passion and, and let that draw you back into a place of health and vitality. That's one of the things that when we're doing marriage counseling and the couple's like, and I'm like, man, how did you all even get married? Like, what, what was that like? So one of the exercises we'll do is like, okay, guys, well, well all right, I'll, tell me how you met. Yeah. Tell me how you guys decided to get married. Tell me, you know, all. And so as they remember that most of the time, what you'll see, unless the marriage is in severe crisis, there'll be smiles, there'll be laughter. Mm -hmm. The spirit lifts a little bit. Same thing with our relationship with Lord. How did you meet Jesus? And like, what was your life right? Like right after you met Jesus. So remember that. I think that's the call. Repent is, is recognize that there's a coldness in your heart where you are right now Mm. and express sorrow over that. Yeah. Right. Like, I don't feel as close to the Lord as I, I do now, or other things have become more important. I love, and we can really, we can fall in love with a lot of things more than we love Jesus. Now, most of us will say, well, we love Jesus the most, right? I would say, okay, I would I would say that's probably true, except there's sometimes in our lives when we love, you know, maybe it's the order of service, or maybe it's a style of worship, or maybe it's that staff member, or maybe it's this position on the committee, or maybe it's this, you know, project that we no longer do or yeah. you know whatever we, we just and, and when it's gone and we show up to church we sometimes will get frustrated and angry because church doesn't feel like it used to and that's a sign that we're loving something other than jesus so what you're saying is we can't to quote the great philosopher meatloaf say <laughs> i would do anything for love but i won't do that Yes, yes, we could say that, Jim. Yeah, so not meatloaf approach. Not meatloaf. And I, I 
I don't like meatloaf the food really. So you kind of scared me there for a minute. <laughs> uh, yeah, but you're you're right. Like I do anything, but, but I won't do that. And that's the yeah. the call on Christ, the call of Christ on our life is to die to ourselves daily, take up our cross, and follow Him. So for that exact reason. We have a survey that we use sometimes when we consult with churches it's called a consultation readiness survey. Mm-hmm. And I've intentionally put a question on there that I knew would be, I call it the meat love question. Oh, okay. It's, would you be willing to sell your property and relocate? Yeah. Right. And so after church members take this survey, you know, I get the responses and it gives me an average out of one to 10 on their scores. And so far, every time I, I would, I need to go back and look at the data of everybody that's taken it. It's, it's like a 1.2. It's like the average, right? And it's like, everybody's going, absolutely not, not going to happen, not willing to do that. That's off the table, not interested, not okay. And several associational denominational leaders who I've customized this survey for them have asked me to take that question off. And I always say, I will do that if that's really what you want. But I explain to them, I asked the meatloaf question on purpose because I, I kind of want to make that a point of conversation when I meet with the church to say, hey, we've got to be willing to lay everything down. Mm -hmm. So what I'm asking you is if Jesus Christ himself made it clear to your leadership team through prayerful consideration that what he was calling your church to do was sell the property and relocate, would you do it? Mm -hmm. Or would you sing like meatloaf? I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. They would eat meatloaf rather than do that. Yeah. Right? So, yeah, I think that's a fantastic question. And and all the things that we're talking about are are questions that help you analyze where your church is at. Yeah. Right. We're not suggesting that every church should sell their. I, I think very few should. Yeah. Very, very few yeah. should. Yeah, you, and, yeah. and that's why I, I do comfort them after we go, I'm not trying to sell your church. I'm not interested in trying to sell your church. I ask the question just as a point of reference, because here's here's what I'll say. If I just said, are you willing to do anything the Lord asks you to do to bring this church back to health? You would say, yes, 10 out of 10. Mm-hmm, absolutely. You yeah. would say that. Mm-hmm. But when I ask the, would you be willing to relocate or sell your property and relocate? You give me a one out of 10. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, I'm pointing out that's probably not the only question that you would give a one out of 10. Mm-hmm. And I'm not telling you, you need to sell it. That's not even, I'm not even considering that. But I'm asking you, we still, even with that, have to bring that with a loose grip to the Lord and lay it at his feet and go, okay, Lord. And because here's the deal, nobody could have ever predicted that God would have told Joshua to march around the wall seven times and then yell real loud. No, I mean, nobody. I mean, because so if I said, what if God says march around the church and yell real loud on the seventh time? Well, some churches will take you up on that. <laughs> So, I mean, we don't know, but we've, we've got to truly be willing to go in when the Lord says, repent, and we go, okay, Lord, I lay my life down and now myself, take up my cross, follow you. Wherever he leads us, we've got to be willing to go. Absolutely. So he says, remember, repent, and then he says this, return, return to the works that you did at first. Now, uh, as I shared with the Korean pastors, that does not mean dust out the old programs that you did in the prior decades. That's not what this is talking about. The works that you did at first, if you look at that word work, it's defined this way. It's defined as a a desire, an internal desire that carries forth through to action. So get the order here. You repent and you remember what it was like. And then when your heart is right, there's a desire to do works from that love for Jesus. Mm -hmm. That's what this is talking about. 
So yeah. some churches will will go and say, well, we just need this program, or we just need a youth ministry. We used to have one, or we need this or that or the other, right? Well, maybe, but more likely not. You you need to have everybody in the church, including the leadership, needs to have a heart that is connected to Christ. And then from that connection and that passion for Jesus and love for him, you're able to do a new work into the future, right? So one of the things that is, if you study the gospels, you'll see this. Jesus' largest criticism, one of the largest criticisms against Jesus was he was always doing something that was new and different than the established religious elite thought he should do. He wasn't just a rebel. He wasn't just disobeying God's word and none of that. He was doing something new and drawing people into a new relationship with him. And so that's a model for us as a church that that the ministry is based on the truth of scripture, not some models of ministry that we've done before, right? And so I think churches can get stuck in that. And this is why maybe they decline is the love they have for Jesus that created some of those ministries in the, their heyday has now waned and all they have is the activity from the yesteryear, mm-hmm. right? And so without the passionate love for Jesus and renewing that and nur- nurturing that, that's where they miss it. And that's why things begin to fall apart. So, man, I I, I hope that uh, our listeners can kind of understand that. And, and what I'm going to do is, is go through the reflection questions yeah. that I shared with the Korean pastors, but we'll put those on the show notes. So these are questions that are designed to ask your church or maybe even your leaders in a, in a meeting. Here's the first one. Is our love for Jesus the primary motivation for the actions of our work as a church? Here's another one. Where is our love for Jesus leading us to risk and to step out in faith to follow him, making the gospel known in our community? What is something that Jesus is asking me and our church to do in order to follow him more faithfully? I think if, if you just sit down and ask those questions with your leaders, pray mm-hmm. through those, dialogue about them, I think it might help you understand where your church is at and analyze your church's true condition. Yeah, I think take those questions, work through those. We recommend the book Flickering Lamps, walks through the seven churches in the, the Get Letters in the Book of Revelation, Henry and Richard Blackaby. Go through that as a church. And ultimately, what you're asking is if Jesus wrote a letter to my church like he wrote to churches in Revelation, what would he commend? What would he correct? Mm-hmm. What would he challenge? That is what it means to let Jesus consult your church and lead you back to health. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, a resource for replanters by replanters. If you enjoyed this episode or found it to be helpful for you and your ministry, please help us get the word out by subscribing, sharing, and leaving us a review on your favorite podcast listening platform. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital. 180 Digital is a team of design, development, and marketing experts that love working with churches big and small. Check out 180.church, O-N-E-E-I-G-H-T-Y.church to learn more about how 180 can help your church move forward.